time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Thrivology Podcast, the podcast designed to help you thrive no matter what life throws your way. Sometimes life doesn't throw us easy people. Sometimes it doesn't throw us easy situations. Today, we're talking about when people aren't treating you the way you want to be treated. We're in the middle of a series about the rules for living. These are guidelines I try to apply for myself, these rules that I hold for myself so that I make sure that I stay on task and on target. We've been talking about so many of these pieces that fit together about how you work to forgive. And and last week, we talked about looking at your higher self, how you move into your highest self and, and expect more of yourself, but always going high instead of getting caught in your ego. Sometimes our ego pulls us down. And sometimes in our interactions, we can get wrapped up in these places where we're not in such a good place. In a perfect world, people would treat you perfectly with respect, with kindness, with clarity, with directness, without even having to ask. That would be the perfect world. That's not the world we live in. We live in a reality where people treat others the way they learned to treat others and the way they're allowed to treat them. Now, think about that for a minute. We all came from a family background where we learned some rules about how you interact with other people. Maybe you learned that, that anger was dangerous and so you had to stay away from people who are angry. Or maybe you learned that you had to stomp your feet and be angry in order to get what you want. Maybe you learned that the only way to talk was at a scream. Maybe you learned the only way to talk was indirectly without telling someone what you really wanted. We all have those patterns that we carry with us. The problem is they may have worked in our childhood. They may have worked in the family we grew up in, either working to allow us to communicate with others or working to allow us to not get in trouble when we communicate. But along the way, we realize that other people may not take to our communication pattern the same way. More than that, we discover that people may not treat us the same way that we thought we wanted to be treated. Now, if you've been listening, you know that one of the things I find important is to find your own place of value, to value yourself enough that you don't just allow people to treat you however they want to treat you. So today we talk about how you move into the new way of being treated. Boundaries is that thing. Now, when I talk about boundaries, I want to be very clear that we're really talking about more like a fence around your backyard, not a barricade. Sometimes people try to use these boundaries as a barricade or as a wall or a fortress to keep people away. Then there are other people, and and this is one of those things. Have you ever seen around those people have around their garden just like these little wire things that are maybe six inches tall? You know, they wouldn't even keep out a rabbit, uh, much less anyone out of their yard. And they put them around areas that are these flower places. Well, that's another way that you could have a boundary that won't help you very much. I mean, people just step right across those. When we were living in another house, we had a nice picket fence around the backyard, and the picket fence was about waist high. It's not a formidable barrier. Somebody could easily step into our backyard, but it did mark our backyard. It did let people know that that was our property. And and in my mind, that's what I think about these boundaries. Yes, there are times that we will have people cross our boundaries. 
And that in those times, we need to make sure that we work to stay safe. But for the most part, people will respect those boundaries. If you build a fortress of a boundary, you know, if you build like one with a moat with the alligators in there that keep everybody away, you also keep the love away. You keep the relationships away because you become unapproachable. There's no way they can get to you in order to show their love and concern because they're blocked by the massive walls around you. But if you have that little wire pickets, you know, the little ones that, that were around the, those flower gardens, then people don't even see them. They walk right over and, and then they're in your area, your space. But a nice picket fence will let people know where they can go. Sometimes people will cross in. We had neighbors who sometimes would walk their dog into our backyard and we had to remind them that there was a fence there for a reason, that that was our yard that where our dog played. But for the most part, people stayed away. So think now about boundaries as no's. It's a no to people. Boundaries are no, you may not, and then you can fill in the blank of what that you may not. No, you may not yell at me, which I generally phrase as you may not raise your voice at me. Or maybe no, you may not push me or hit me. No, you may not mistreat me. No, you may not call me names. All of those are boundaries. If you think about yourself as having a circle around you, you know, somebody that you didn't know came really, really close to you, too close, they might be crossing a boundary that that circle is out there. But if you have close friends or family members and they get that same distance from you, it's okay. So in some ways, the boundaries can vary. But there are some that I'm pretty clear are, for most people, definites. Like, it's not okay for somebody to hurt you. It's not okay to be mistreated. But you've got to take those in yourself because one of the things that has to happen before somebody is able to set their boundaries is to value themselves enough to be able to say no. If you find yourself with a difficult time of saying no because you don't know whether you are allowed to be treated that way, that would indicate that you might need to find some help for somebody to help you understand your value, for somebody to help you understand that you get to dictate how people will treat you. Because here's the thing, your boundaries are yours to create and they're yours to hold. Your boundaries are your responsibility. You can't ever expect somebody else to abide by your boundaries. I've had many conversations with people who will tell me about other people who keep breaking their boundaries and they say, I can't understand why they break their boundaries. And my response is, how do you set your boundaries? And they have to admit that they were just hoping the other person would know how to treat them. People don't know how to treat us. Remember, they're treating us the way they learn to treat other people and the way we allow them to treat us that way. I want, to, I want you to think about a couple of people that you might have in your life. One is that kind of person that just the way they walk around, nobody's going to yell at them. Nobody's going to mess with them. Nobody is going to infringe upon them. And it's not that they're mean and aggressive. They just are very clear with their boundaries. I believe that when we practice our boundaries clearly enough and often enough, they become a part of us, that people can kind of sense the boundaries and they automatically will respect them. Now think of another person in your life, the person who never sets their own boundary and people are taking advantage of them all the time and will call them names and and take money from them or, or whatever else they want to do because they feel like they can get away with it. And the reason they feel like they can get away with it 
is because they do. So those are the two extremes of people, people who don't maintain their boundaries, don't set their boundaries, don't maybe even understand what a boundary is, and those that their boundaries are automatic. They don't have to talk about it. They don't have to say, you can't do that. It's already there. You see, nobody knows your boundaries until they're clear. And those people who have the boundaries very clear have been working on them before to make sure that others understand those boundaries automatically. It's up to you to teach people how to treat you. And that's where boundaries come in. Now, there are some immediate boundaries. You know, if somebody is threatening to hurt you, getting away from them immediately is very important. If somebody is about to do something that could do you great harm, it's important to just get away. So sometimes we remove ourselves instantly. If somebody has been aggressive, I think it is fine to get out away and not have anything to do with them until they either have recognized that what they were doing was wrong or you're safer with somebody else. So some boundaries are immediate. Generally, those immediate boundaries have to do with self-preservation, with protection of yourself, that there is some physical risk to you. And then there are some that allow you to teach somebody slowly. (laughs) It's a four-step process. And this four-step process is an important way of teaching people how to deal with you. Some years ago, I was consulting with a a branch of a bank. And when I went in, all of the tellers and all of the, the staff that were dealing with customers on a regular basis were completely demoralized. And so I sat back and I watched and customers would come in and they would rant and rave. And the whole time, the staff would apologize and, and work with give, uh, bending over backwards to give them anything they wanted to make them happy. So I talked to the manager and I said, how did that happen? And the manager said, I believe that the customer is always right. So I expect my staff to always be moving towards the customer, always be meeting the cu- customer's needs immediately. I said, but what if the customer's not right? More than that, what if the customer's maybe even right, but not treating your staff okay? And the manager said, that's not okay with me. We won't ever respond and and we won't ever say no. And I said, that's the problem. When you do that, you're teaching them how to treat you. And so we began working as a staff. And what happened transformed not just the, the teller staff, but also the customers. They suddenly had the better customers. For a long time, the tellers couldn't figure out why they had the worst customers. They would talk to their friends and their friends who were also in banking didn't have this kind of trouble with their customers. They couldn't understand why they kept getting the worst of the worst. And the fact is that customers were just treating them the way they were allowed to treat them. And in the end, they were completely demoralized. And so I taught them this four-step process. So let's talk through these four steps so you can practice them. The first step is inform. So for the tellers, they would have a customer come in and the customer would start raising their voice. And the teller was given permission to inform them about that. Did you realize that you're raising your voice at me? Just inform them that they're raising their voice. And informing them is just letting them in on that. Because there are times when we all get a little bit out of shape and our communication doesn't come out the way we would like. And it's helpful for somebody to remind us of that. And so 
At that moment, you give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe you didn't realize that your voice, the volume was up and your aggression and your voice, maybe you didn't realize it. So let me tell you. And so they would say, did you realize that you're raising your voice at me? Now notice, raising your voice at me, it takes a few more words to say than you're yelling at me. But if you say you're yelling at me, people get into a debate. We grew up on that when parents would say, don't yell at me, and and children were defending themselves that they weren't really yelling, right? And so we have this immediate reaction around yelling where we're trying to prove whether it's yelling or not. No need. Raising your voice, basically your volume's going up. That's much less debatable. So the first step in this process is to inform. Did you realize you're yelling at me? Did you realize you called me a name? Did you realize that you're standing too close? Did you realize that you're stepping on my stuff? Did you realize that you keep taking stuff from me, right? All of those are potential boundaries. And so we inform the other person of what they're doing. Did you realize? Did you realize you're raising your voice at me? Now, there are a couple of key points to this. One is the tone you use. We never want to set a boundary by violating somebody else's boundary. It's not okay if they're yelling at you to yell back because now both people are breaking boundaries and it escalates the situation. And so it's the same tone as informing someone uh, about the sky being blue. Hey, did you realize the sky is blue today? So it's the same tone we use with informing. Hey, do you realize you're raising your voice at me? Now, that person in that moment has an opportunity. They can tell you that they didn't mean to. They can apologize and take responsibility for that. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to be yelling. I'm just upset. And they lower their voice. It's also possible that they'll escalate to the next level, which is where they say, yes, I know I'm yelling at you or raising my voice at you. I mean to. Which brings us to step number two. And I can tell you that you can walk through these steps because step number four, and I'll just give you a preview, is a consequence. So step number two, ask. Please do not raise your voice at me. It's very polite. Please notice the sky is blue. It's the same tone. Please do not raise your voice at me. Please do not call me names. Please do not get in my face. Please do not keep taking my stuff. Please do not keep borrowing the shovel from my backyard, right? All of those are boundaries. So you ask. The other person has an opportunity to now be accountable for that. Oh, I'm so sorry. Because now you're, you're asking something of them. You're not just letting them know what they're doing. You're asking something. And it's much harder to turn that down. Please do not do that. Oh, I'm sorry. And they lower their voice. So then the teller sometimes had people who said, I will raise my voice if I want to. Because after all, they'd been taught to talk that way for a while. And so they felt like that was their right, which led to step number three, demand. You may not raise your voice at me. Again, the sky is blue. You may not raise your voice at me. Now, there is a second piece to step number three, which is to say, if you do, then And there's a consequence. And it can be a consequence of your choosing. It should be reasonable and it should be addressing what's going on. For instance, at the bank, and this is the one the manager struggled with, the next step was to say, if you're yelling at me, we are finished with our business and you will need to talk to the manager. So I also had to teach this to the manager, right? If you continue this way, you can no longer be a customer at this bank. 
That was where they had to really work, but things had gotten to the point that, that all they were doing was bringing in people who were willing to yell at them. Something had to change. And so the tellers were allowed to say, you may not yell at me. If you continue raising your voice at me, you will have to speak to the manager. Our business will be done. That's a consequence. Now, if the person continued to yell, the, the teller simply would say, you need to now speak to the manager, right? And, and so other people were also trained to help guide that person to the manager because now there's a consequence. So let's say that you're speaking with a friend. Please do not yell at me. You may not yell at me if you're, you may not raise your voice at me. If you continue to do that, we will not be able to spend any more time together or we will not be able to spend any time together today or we will have to go home today. We'll have to leave the movie today, the restaurant today, something. If it's a spouse, if you continue raising your voice at me, I'm going to need to leave for the night. I'm going to need to leave for an hour, right? And those are all consequences. The consequences don't have to be, I will never speak to you again. There are times when somebody is so toxic and so dangerous that that does need to be your consequence. But for the most part, you're dealing with people who simply need to know that it is not acceptable and you will not reward their behavior. You won't give in, right? Because usually they're raising their voice or they're doing something else in order to get something they want. When they realize that they can't get what they want, then they have to change their tactics. So remember, never break another's boundary as you teach them your boundary. And remember one other thing. You're not doing something to someone else. I was doing a seminar on these boundaries. And the second week, this woman strode right to me and she said, your boundary thing doesn't work. And I said, what do you mean it doesn't work? And she said, I did it to my husband and it didn't work. And I said, well, your first mistake was doing it to him. You're doing it for yourself. And what she was trying to do was change him, not change his behavior toward her, but change him. Boundaries are not about changing other people. They're changing how that person treats you. Because if you remember, everybody gets to choose their action. They may not be aware of it, but they're choosing their action based on what they think they can get away from. So when they think they can get away with yelling at you or taking your stuff or getting in your space, they will continue doing that until they discover that that no longer works. It doesn't get them what they want. When we do this, we begin to change the behavior around us. We begin to demand ourselves to be treated better. And as we practice that, we discover that the more we practice it, the more clearly those boundaries emerge from us. And we don't have to do that very much because people now know. We've already created a circle of people around us, friends and family, that know they can no longer treat us that way. But we only do that when we choose to teach them how to treat us. So remember, there are some boundaries that it is perfectly fine for you to have an immediate consequence to the behavior, usually when you're at risk. But the other category you reserve with those that you may want to preserve the relationship where you teach them how to treat you by going through the steps First, you inform, do you realize that you're raising your voice at me? Second, you ask, please do not raise your voice at me. Third, you demand, you may not raise your voice at me, including a consequence. If you continue raising your voice at me, I am leaving. I am going home. 
our conversation is over, I'm hanging up, all of those possibilities. And remember, we're not just talking about raising voice. There are lots of boundaries out there, calling names, other things like that. And then the remember number four, the consequence. You have to follow through with your consequence. If you do not follow through with your consequence, you did not set a boundary. Now, go and teach people how to treat you. And if this has been helpful, you'll find more about this in both my books, The Immutable Laws of Living, which you can find more about that at theimmutablelawsofliving.com or just ask for it at your local bookstore or wherever you usually get books. And the same with my book, Thrive Principles. Those are 15 strategies for building your thriving life. And you can learn more about that at thethriveprinciples.com or find it at your local bookstore or wherever you like to buy books. Otherwise, know that you are built to teach people how to treat you so that you can move into the world in bigger and better ways and create a lasting, thriving life for yourself. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you build your thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.